Welcome back. This is Perspectives on KISS 104.1, and I'm Gondis Presley. No sooner than a jury in Minneapolis convicted Derek Chauvin in the murder of George Floyd, Makia Bryant died in Ohio. Andrew Brown died in North Carolina. Joining me now is the Reverend Dr. Bernice King, the daughter of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and CEO of the King Center here in Atlanta. Did George Floyd get justice? Well, my first reaction uh, was tears. Um, and even as I'm speaking now, I, I feel them welling up in my eyes because I had a lot of anxiety as so many people didn't know which way this was gonna go. And I just knew that if it didn't end in a guilty verdict, uh, especially on the, the second degree charge, that we would have witnessed something perhaps worse than uh, what we saw last summer and uh, maybe back to the time after my father's assassination or worse, because people just can't take anymore, you know, over and over again, just the denial of seeing uh, law enforcement officers being held accountable um, for going over and beyond um, what is necessary to restrain uh, a person. Um, it was just so horrendous. And so, um, you know, this is, a, this is a moment, a moment, a slight moment of a, a sigh of relief, relief but you're reserved because you know that this was a one instance of a much broader um, um, issue around systemic uh, racism and um, you know these these systems that we have in place that have not uh, treated uh, black people and brown people with with equity and fairness and justice and dignity. Um, so we, we have continual work to do and it's on the policy side and we got to still work on people's hearts at the same time. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a lot of work all the way around. So what happens next? I, I, you know, I'm not sure if we turn the corner, but I think this is a step, a small step in the right direction in terms of a potential precedent that can be looked at, um, going forward in the area of police accountability. Um, yes, we do uh, need to focus a lot of energy and effort on getting um, the George Floyd, uh, I think it's the, what is it, the Justice um, Act. Um, I don't know if it's Justice and Accountability Act um, passed in Congress, but we all know laws, my, my father said laws are not enough. We start with laws, um, but there has to be work on every level First of looking at these systems we have in place that perpetuate you know, white supremacist way of thinking and doing, um, and, and, and this is across the board, but certainly um, in, in, in law enforcement, we've got to reimagine um, public safety in our, in our country um, because this never should have happened you know, over a, a, a counterfeit $20 bill. And this never should have happened um, uh, to Dante Wright. Um, it's, just, it's just so much over and over again, you think this should never happen to Breonna Taylor. This should have never happened uh, to Ahmaud Arbery. It should never happen uh, to um, 
um, Rayshard Brooks. And it, it, it's, 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 and it should have, and even though he, it didn't end in death, it should have never happened to the, the lieutenant in, in the army the other day. The, the kind of excessive aggressiveness and, and, and many times it leads to the death of a black body, um, a black life. Uh, so it's, it's, yes, we need the laws, um, but we gotta still work in society on these systems that are in place and making sure that they are being, uh, people are being held accountable through these systems, but that we continue to do what we're doing at the King Center, which is educate people and train people in another way of thinking and, and acting and engaging and being in the world. That's why we have the Be Love campaign, where my father really helps us to understand that power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice and that justice at its best is love correcting everything that stands against love. And so what people um, uh, acknowledge about my father in terms of him being the civil rights leader, in terms of him being this person who, who helped to, to really move us forward and change America, he did it out of this force and strength of love. Um, and, and they resisted with that strength. They resisted and they did not cooperate with evil. Uh, and that's my message to people going forward. We have to continue to not cooperate with evil and we have to continue the justice at its best, correct everything in love that stands against love. Um, that's where, that's where we have to go daily. We can't, this is not a time to say verdict. You know, let's just go on about our business. No, this is a tiny smidgen of a step. Mother said it best, Coretta Scott King, when she said, struggle is a never ending process. Freedom is never really won. You earn it and win it in every generation. She was saying, stay persistent, stay diligent, stay focused, never let up, never give up and continue to move forward and progress this nation. We cannot rest on anything that looks like um, victory, not over a person, but victory in the name of justice, because that moral arc as daddy said of the universe is long and it bends towards justice. And yesterday there was some of that bending, but we gotta keep working as, it, as we continue to bend with the universe towards justice. Reverend Dr. Bernice King, thank you very much. And finally today, next Sunday is Mother's Day. Do you have plans? If not, here's an idea. Joining me today is an Atlanta native, North Atlanta High School graduate, Morris Robinson. He now is a world-renowned opera singer who will be coming back home Mother's Day weekend to perform a couple of concerts for Mother's Day as the Atlanta Opera and the Kenny Leon's True Colors Theater Company have partnered for a concert for unity. Morris, the last time you and I talked, it was in person in the studio, right before your Porgy and Bess performances. Fair to say a lot has happened in the last 13 months. I'd say that that statement is pretty accurate. Uh... Yeah, this uh, this has now become our new norm. Instead of interviewing and talking in person with one another, we're utilizing technology to make the uh, world a smaller place, but also safer with our personal interactions. So yeah, a lot has happened, a lot. Now, since the last time we've talked, we've been through this pandemic from which we are now beginning 
to emerge. How were you able to spend that time? Because clearly you could not perform. Yeah, that was one of the most interesting aspects of it. I had just left to go to Dallas to start another rehearsal after I finished my Porgy and Mess uh, performances in Atlanta. And I got sent home like the rest of my industry. Uh, so I was suddenly without any work for the rest of the year. And that was been that was really interesting. Uh, I had a lot of time to spend at home with my family. I'm never at home at all. So uh, it was odd, you know, it was like, do we even know each other anymore? Are we going to like each other at the end of this thing? But it worked out, you know, you carve out things to do to make sure that those moments are special. Um, you know, a lot has changed at home because of such as well. My son is now playing football. He never thought he would before, but I was home every day to kind of coach him through that kind of thing. So it's just been a, 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 a huge transition. If there's any silver lining behind it, it was a valuable time, invaluable time that I would not have had had things continued as normally to be with my family, so. And out of this comes this idea that you've birthed this concert for unity, two shows, one on Saturday outdoors at the Cobb Energy Center, one on Sunday at the Southwest Performing Arts Center. Tell me about this germ of an idea now about to be reality. Well, you know, I think that opera has often ostracized itself as something that was only catering to the aristocracy or a certain uh, group of privileged individuals and you know, in our town, especially lots of African-American singers are, are singing abroad and singing on wonderful stages. And we are very much a part of this art form. And I wanted to make sure that we reached out to the community from which I came and, and, and show that there was unity within the ranks of opera, unity within the arts community in Atlanta. And this is an effort to do so. I uh, wanted to display the talent that we have at home, display African-American talent in this art form, such that the normal crowd that always attends can see us and the people that don't normally attend feel welcome to come in. So I think it's gonna be a wonderful, uh, I thought it was a wonderful idea. It's gonna be wonderful to come to fruition. I'm looking forward to both of the concerts. I'll be singing in both of them, so. So what more can uh, folks expect? You know, it's gonna be interesting. Uh, the way it is set up is that we're gonna do traditional opera and art songs for the first part of the concerts on each day. And then there's gonna be a transition. The very same artist that you see, even the same pianist, Danny Steve from Augusta, Georgia, who's a virtuoso pianist, you're going to see the same people take it to church, take it back home, take it to African-American culture. So there'll be a first half of Mozart and Schubert and Brahms, and then there'll be a and Verdi, and then there'll be a second half of Margaret Bonds and Florence Price and Burley and uh, um, other gospel songs that, you know, you would hear at church on Sunday morning. So we're looking forward to that. Richard Smallwoods, I think, is going to be part of that, if I can let that secret out. So yeah, you could. <laughs> Richard Smallwood, that's a big secret, and I'm sure just caught a lot of people's attention. So uh, what special precautions or things are being taken to make sure that it's a safe opportunity, though I know mask mandates around town are being eased and some of the COVID restrictions are, are changing with respect to public gatherings? Well, let me clarify that Richard Smallwoods won't be there in person. His music will be represented very well, hopefully, in the second half by yours truly. But um, safety precautions, yes, masks are going to be required. I think there's going to be social distance seating at uh, at least one of the venues. The, the Cobb Energy Center, I think, is going to be an outdoor venue. So there'll be lots of space for us to, to engage with the audience and yeah, from a safe place, safe distance. So, uh, yeah, we're going to utilize the normal safety protocols as mandated by the government, by the state of Georgia, by the city of Atlanta. But it's still going to be a wonderful time to get out and hear some live music. And we're looking forward to being part of that. So. I read that while you were off during the pandemic, you did some study about racial equity. And I know there's a special conversation that will be taking place as a part of the weekend. What can you tell us about that? Well, you know, when it, when during the pandemic, a lot of atrocities have happened in our community. 
And because of such, when you are in a position such as myself, where there are not a lot of, the, the population doesn't contain a lot of people that look like myself, a lot of people come to you to answer questions and figure things out. Uh, other than my experiences as an African-American male growing up, which are vast, I didn't understand the discipline and the academia behind the concept of diversity and inclusion. And I wanted to make sure that I educated myself properly. So since I had this time off, I enrolled in the course at Cornell University and took that course and over eight weeks became very familiar with the ins and outs, the, the terminology, the psychology behind, and the academic aspect of this discipline called diversity and inclusion. So uh, because of such, I've been invited to do lots of lectures, talk to companies, advise companies regarding such, and we're going to have a discussion, I think on the 7th of May, if I'm not mistaken, to discuss just that, not just my uh, venture into the coursework, but just the ideology of that concept uh, as a whole and how it affects the arts community and how we can improve on such as we move forward. So, As a result of these many conversations with respect to diversity, equity, and inclusion, is it your sense that there may be going forward as the pandemic ends greater opportunities for talent like yours to grow and flourish in the arts community? Well, I think that, you know, Morris Robinson is very blessed in this business, so I've been able to flourish, but I think that what we want to do is make sure that more opportunities are given on a more equitable split. You know, uh, I think sometimes a lot of decisions aren't necessarily artistic, and that affects the population that you see on stage. So we want to make sure that these artistic decisions are what come to the forefront so that talent is being considered and that certain groups are not being uh, blocked out because of other aesthetic qualities. So um, yes, this is a conversation that needs to be had for the benefit of all. And I look forward to being uh, part of that conversation and driving the business in that direction such that people are not excluded because they look like me. So I remember the last time we spoke up, and our audience may not know your entire story, but I mentioned that you are a North Atlanta High School graduate. Uh, you played football and at, I think, in your 30s decided that because you could sing and like to sing, you would sing. And now you are a world-renowned opera singer with an amazing bass, and you've sung all over the world. I have, and my, my story is not one of the traditional path, uh, but I did go to the School of the Arts. So Northside School of the Arts is where I went, which is now North Atlanta. I was part of Billy Dinsmore's program there. But um, I came out of, out of high school and took a football scholarship to the Citadel and played football there for four years and didn't get back into music until the age of 30 when I decided to audition for Boston University's Opera Institute. And they took me in with a full scholarship, uh, having no musical training at all, but taking a chance on someone that had the raw talent and ability and realizing that he perhaps had the aptitude that we can teach him. So I took advantage of that. And then I got into the Metropolitan Opera Young Artist Program and it just kind of took off from there. So, And the talent runs in your family. Last I remember your son also sings as well. Is he still pursuing that? <laughs> He's, he was in the chorus up until he decided to be a football player. And I think he found out that that's the cool group of kids. So he's, <laughs> he's not looking back at the course, but he still has an innate musical ability and a great ear. And uh, we'll see what happens. You know, you, you never know what life will take you. If that's not, if no one believes that that is true, just look at me. You never know. So uh, yeah, I'm here and I'm doing this and never, never would have thought so. And so I'm very, very fortunate. Morris, what are you hoping that the audiences are going to take away from these two performances Mother's Day weekend? I hope that they walk away thinking that there's some talent that we just did not know existed. You know, I don't think, I think that part of the crowd will be pretty taken as normal for, to see African-American singers sing gospels and spirituals, but they will probably be impressed to hear us sing in French and German, Italian and Russian. And I think that 
the crowd that knows us as being French, German, Italian, and Russian singers in the classical genre will be just as shocked to hear us sing African-American based music, uh, gospels and spirituals. So I think that showing the versatility of the arts artists that are gonna be on stage, I think is what I want to display. And I want everyone to walk away, you know, looking at that with, uh, and giving credit for what it is, you know, truly a remarkable capability of being diverse within our own beings and our own art form. And, uh, and showing that there's not much separation between the two. I would love to, for that to be the takeaway, so. And I'm sure it will be the takeaway. It's the Concert for Unity Mother's Day weekend, Saturday, May 8th, Sunday, May 9th. We've got all of the information about the shows on our website, wsbtv.com slash community. Morris Robinson, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. The May 8th performance will be held at the Atlanta Opera's Big Tent on the grounds of the Cobb Energy Performing Arts Center. Tickets start at $37.25 and are available in both two-person pairs and the popular four-person pod. To purchase tickets, visit atlantaopera.org. And speaking of Mother's Day, I hope you'll join me in wishing our friend, news anchor Jovita Moore, a happy Mother's Day coming up. I wanted to give you guys an update on how she is doing. She is home recovering from her surgery, and she's asked that we share this message. She wrote it herself uh, with everybody. She says, thanks so much for every single positive word, well wish, and prayer sent my way. I expect a long but successful road to recovery over the next few weeks. I am so thankful for my surgeon and his team who are absolutely amazing. She goes on to say, I am absolutely grateful for my friends and my family who have not left her side. I appreciate all the beautiful messages, the flowers and cards. Please continue sending positive energy and prayers my way. I love hearing from you. And if you would like to send well wishes or a get well card to Jovita Moore, please Send them to us here at the station, and we will make sure that they are delivered to her. The address here, 1601 West Peachtree Street, Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia, 30309. We'll do that again. It's 1601 West Peachtree Street, Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia, 30309. You can also write her a well wish on uh, the website at Channel 2. That's wsbtv.com. Her picture's on the homepage. It'll be real easy for you to do. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program crafted with you in mind. If there's a guest you'd like to hear interviewed or a perspective you think should be explored, let me know. If you're old school, just write me. 1601 West Peachtree Street, Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia, 30309. Or message me via social media. I'm Condos Presley on Facebook, Condo29 on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Be sure to listen again next week at this very same time as we examine another perspective.